For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And believe it or not, I am very excited to be talking about some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. In fact, I have an upfront proposition for you, and that is that for me, the last two games that the Rockies have played, and I'm recording this just after the Wednesday afternoon ball game against the Arizona Diamondbacks, that they have been the most promising two games of the entire season. And you might be saying to yourself, but true. (laughs) He says rhetorically out loud, but true. They lost both of those games in somewhat embarrassing fashion, blowing them late to very winnable ball games to a division rival who's been scuffling lately, totally squandering these incredible moments from these young players. But alas, I say to you, my friend, if you are a Colorado Rockies fan and you're listening to this, so chances are pretty high, This is, from a pragmatic, practical standpoint, the best case scenario for you, which is that the Colorado Rockies' most important young players play well, and not just well, I'm going to get to that, and that they lose. No one likes losing. No one wants to lose the ball game at the end of the day, not the players. Some sort of more cynical fans and media people out there sort of get into to playing that and, and find whatever. From I've said many times before why I don't like it from the beginning of the season, and I certainly don't like it as a multi-season strategy to lose on purpose. And the Rockies are not losing on purpose. They're, it's still very much a, you know, and in fact, I, w- I would say this, and I'll get into the details of the, this in a minute. This will be the most I've broken down individual ball games all season, by the way. And it's it's not even about these games. This is what we call in the biz a microcosm, right? This is a microcosm of where the Rockies are now and in many ways, hopefully, where they're going. So they have committed to playing the young guys. Like I said, not losing on purpose, not tanking on purpose, and certainly not committing to a multi-season tank process but look folks the season's gone you know that most of us listening to this or i I suppose me talking to this (laughs) knew that day one of spring training that it was going to take a lot of things going the rockies way in order for them to compete not only did that not happen the complete opposite happened their entire pitching staff ended up on the IL at some point. That's not an exaggeration. At some point this season, every single member of the starting five and probably six or seven, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, for sure, because Feltner and Noah Davis. Yeah, that's your top seven guys have all been on the IL, some of them for the vast majority of the season. You just aren't going to be successful 
ball club that way. If anything, some of the extra injuries may have just been a blessing in disguise. Not for those players individually. Really sucks if you're Antonio Sensatella right now. But in the grand scheme of this team, the best thing that can happen is for them to get as good a draft pick as possible. And I'm telling you, I don't normally play that game. And oftentimes there's not a huge difference between the third pick and the sixth pick in the draft. And you'll see plenty of years where the guy who was taken ninth or 10th or 15th or 27th ended up being better than the guy who was taken first overall, right? But as teams get better and better, and I will say with Bill Schmidt's scouting eye, he's done very well in the draft lately. And he's done very well with the farm system over the last couple of years. And quite frankly, I'd like to cover a number one overall draft pick. That would be fun. It's something the Rockies have actually never had, right? The highest, I think, is is third, which I have covered. John Gray was one of the very first people that I interviewed in this job. Uh, Brendan Rodgers was third overall and interviewed him very early on in his career. But a number one would be interesting, right? They've never had their literal pick of anyone out there. And that would be interesting. And that's what you have to gain by losing, or if not the number one pick. Again, improving your your draft pedigree. In years past, again, when they were, you know, the 11th or 12th worst team in baseball and the best they could do was ninth, which is off where they've ended up the last couple of years, right? It's like, okay, I'm not pushing for a huge, embarrassing losing streak. But at this point, the season has been what it's been. And to some extent, you can even sell yourself on it. It's been what it's been for the injury reasons and whatever. Yeah, stuff out of your control. If they want to do that, fine. But it is what it is, and they've committed to the young guys. So at this point, losses in games like these last two, they're not backbreaking. If this was a season where the Rockies were supposed to be competitive, where they were in the hunt, they were on the brink of, they would be backbreaking. These would be brutal, painful, awful losses. But right now, Not only are these losses acceptable, I would even argue, if I may tap into the wisdom of Master Yoda, that failure, the best teacher, is. At this point in these guys' careers, and I would say this about the strikeouts right now, too. Now, this obviously has to change. There was a a lot writing about, uh, I know our friend Patrick Saunders over at the Denver Post, pointing out that when they were out in L.A., as a ball club, they struck out like 43 times and walked twice. Now again, if that's a team you're trying to compete with, that's embarrassing and that's unacceptable and you're throwing things around and you're running your fingers through your hair or whatever. But they got a bunch of young guys who, quite frankly, have always had these strikeout issues, right? Doyle, Montero, Jones. Well, Montero, a little bit less so, but it's it's popping up more and more, right? The strikeout, uh, Tolia, big strikeout numbers throughout the minors. It's going to take some time to adjust, and you hope they do. If they don't, then you go in a different direction. But both things are important to learn, and that's why this is so important. Yes, they've lost plenty of games recently because the offense just hasn't been there with these young guys, and it's going to be a work in progress. That's part of the tanking that I'm perfectly fine with, being able to accept you know, these these early growing pains, especially if they really are growing pains, and these guys can all get better through this process, right? I do see improvement from Montero and Tolia at the plate. Obviously, we've seen monster things out of Nolan Jones at the plate and steady, continuous improvement from Ezekiel Tovar. All very important players. 
But let's dive into the reality of what was really exciting about these last two games. I know people hit me up on Twitter suggesting that I'm not the only one feeling this. Let's begin with the Saturday night game. Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle took four runs off of the board with their defense alone. And we got a lot of fancy statistics out there. And these guys are rating highly in all of them. Defensive runs saved and UZR and the StatCast stuff that shows both of them have absolutely elite. Like, I think between the two of them, they've got five of the six hardest throws from the outfield all season. And I have often, throughout my career, tried to make this distinction on defense between the measurable things that their obvious athleticism brings and their ability which we can look at and just see Nolan Jones go crashing into the wall, jaw first, and go, holy, what an amazing, incredibly athletic play that, quite frankly, I can't think of another left fielder in Rockies history, except for times when Cargo got pushed over into left. We obviously think of him as a primary right fielder. And Jones may end up in right, ultimately. I'm going to talk about the future here in a minute, but... I can't remember seeing a better play from a left fielder since I've been covering the team, certainly. So in the last 10, 11 years, I cannot recall seeing certainly into that gap. You know, Gerardo Parra had some nice plays when he got a a Gold Glove nomination one of those years, 18, I think. Uh, You know, he had a really good arm on him as well. Not as good as Nolan Jones. Probably a little bit more accurate, but we'll see how Jones develops on the accuracy. But he didn't have the, the pure strength that Jones does. In fact, he got compared after the game by Bud Black to Bo Jackson. And I will tell you this, Bud Black is not prone to that kind of comparison, and he is not prone to exaggerating on behalf of his young players. In fact, I would say he's the opposite. If we in the media are all drooling over whether it was David Dahl's hit streaks or even early on, like Trevor Story's home runs or Ezekiel Tovar's defense, He was always the one saying, hey, I just want to make him good, you know, heads up, smart baseball plays. He would, you know, and then he'd get into the hype once it starts going after a while. And and yeah, he'll hype up his guys. Absolutely. But to hear, I got to say, I was a little bit shocked to hear him compare that throw that Nolan Jones made cutting down Cattell Marte. I was sitting right next to a Diamondbacks writer. We We were talking pretty much all game. And when Jones let the ball go, I said, oh, there's no way. I said, he's going to be out in the air. I said, he's going to be out. And then it happened. The guy looked at me and he goes, by three feet. I'm like, yeah. That was one of the most impressive throws I have seen in a long time. And it's in part because of the almost nonchalant way in which he did it. Like, he didn't get a full momentum. It was a weird play, right? Because... Uh, the catcher, Elias Diaz, had overthrown third base. So you're not expecting as a a left fielder to be in the play there. If the ball gets hit in that direction, that's something you're anticipating a a throw in, right? But to be backing up on an overthrown pickoff attempt at third base is just not a common play. He just kind of ran over there as backup, had the wherewithal to just pick it up and throw it in without a big curl hop or any of that stuff. He just... (laughs) 
just like, and from the dirt, I think he got one foot in on the grass. I mean, out there in the right field corner, when I went back and watched the replay, he was further away than I thought because when he let it go, it just felt like he was on top of the plate from my vantage point in the press box. And you just watched it come right in. And I went in the air the whole way. So Jones takes two runs off the board. One very obviously indirectly, right? The crashing catch into the wall. Less obvious the runner's going to score from first on that, but probably. Doyle, same thing. Now, he made a diving catch late that got a lot of people hyped. People really talking as well. They should. It was a great catch. It was a phenomenal catch. Coming in, diving, runners on base, uh, preserved the lead at the time, right? Late in the game. Clutch catch. Took run off the board. Again, presuming they they ran the base as well. But for me, the play, because again, I was hyping up Doyle's defense to this Diamondbacks writer before the game, telling him what I often tell you folks, which is that I hope he hits. I'd love to see him hit. And boy, did he launch a a two-run home run late in this game. But his defense is so good And it's not going to get measured fully in something like zone rating or DRS. You know, a a great defensive run save. We we talk about this with wins, right? Where you say, is Mike Trout really only worth nine or ten wins over a replacement player over the course of a season? There are some statisticians that will tell you, yeah. And there are some people who watch him play every day who will tell you, "Uh, no, he's worth quite a bit more than that. And that can be feel, and there's a debate there, and there's all those things, right? But... Again, there is a difference between a theoretical run that you save over the course of a season, a defensive run saved of 9 or 10 or 25 for a center fielder. At, at, you know, If Doyle got to there, it would be incredible. But in terms of actual runs saved, taken off the board, to be able to do that consistently, which is what he's done, there's almost no measure for the value of it. And he had one in the first inning going straight back to center field that it would have been a home run in like 20 other parks. I think it was 53% hit probability. And again, this writer and I watched him and we knew he had it the whole way. He caught it comfortably and easily up against the center field wall. And I don't believe that there's a center fielder that I've covered for the Rockies, even going back to when Charlie Blackman was pretty good at it. Got great jumps, had better speed, good arm, all those things. I don't believe that peak Charlie Blackman catches that baseball. And it would have been an RBI double in the first inning. And instead, Block got out of it unscathed. Those kinds of plays, the plays they're making going into the gaps, those are going to be monster different makers in a season if they can get, you know, some pitching and be competitive. They have not had this before. Maybe Walker and Ellis Burks in center and right back then, but even then you're talking about a defensive liability and Dante Bichette out there a lot of the times in left. They have an opportunity. When you got Tolia in right, and he didn't get super involved, but he made a couple of nice plays in right field. I tweeted out the Rockies had six gold glove caliber defenders on the field last night. Right, Tolia, 
probably more of a gold glove caliber guy at first. And again, I'll get into the future. But let's just do this now. So what they had last night was Tolia and right, Doyle in center, Jones and left. All gold glove caliber defenders. I'm not sure Tolia has the top speed, though. He, he showed me some. He stole a base. He stole third. Uh, <laughs> that was interesting. You know, to, to be a plus, plus, plus defender and right. But we'll see. He's very good at all the other stuff. Good arm. Good athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. At first base, he's tremendous. Obviously, they got Monty playing first base right now. So, Monty, not a gold glove caliber guy. Elias Diaz, probably not a gold glove caliber guy, even though he's got a gold glove caliber arm. And maybe maybe I'm shorting him. Maybe I should have said seven. Heck. You know, I, I don't know. We'll see, because his certain numbers have been really good for him this year. I was just realizing, like, I got to look at some numbers. He might get nominated for a gold glove. But... Brendan Rodgers at second base, Platinum Glove nominee last year. Ezekiel Tovar at shortstop is right now setting a record for fielding percentage in all of Major League Baseball among rookie shortstops since Troy Tulowitzki. And he's been phenomenal. Absolutely. We knew coming in he had that kind of potential. He was billed as that type of guy. And it's played out that way. Ryan McMahon, we know what it is there. And this may actually be the year he wins it with a down year from Nolan Arenado and the numbers just being absolutely... That's that's gold glove caliber defenders at every single position. If you DH Monty next year, make Michael Tolia your first baseman, and then they've got these other guys coming up through the system, whether you're talking about Zach Veen, who we know has been injured throughout the year and a little bit taking a hit to his draft stock, but they've also got guys like Yankel Fernandez, who ranks out, uh, ranks out as a, a pretty high quality defender. In addition to his huge bat, obviously we know Benny Montgomery and the athlete that he is. So they've got a lot of potential for a pretty incredible outfield defense for quite some time. And like I said, because of the bigness of the Rockies outfield, because of the difficulty of run prevention at Coors Field and any number of other factors, I just think that's always been something, a big missing piece for them, something they've desperately needed and rarely had. And it looks like they have the opportunity not only to address that concern, not only to get themselves some pretty darn good defenders. I could argue that for the last two days, during this series, they've had the best outfield defense they've ever put on a baseball diamond as a Colorado Rockies organization. And it's all in players that you hope are going to hit enough to be a part of the future. Obviously, Doyle and, and Tolia are, are going through it right now, and, and you never know. And like I said with Doyle, because he's the center fielder, you can have a lot more leeway with that. You, you're really going to need Tolia to hit, but Jones is maybe becoming a star right in front of our eyes. It is, it is difficult in the game of baseball to be a, oh my God, he's everywhere type of guy, right? You can't do the LeBron James where you're blocking the shot off of the backboard at one end and then you're racing to the other end for the big alley-oop dunk, right? That that rarely happens. But Nolan Jones has basically done that, the baseball version of that, a couple of times in the last few days. So he crashes into the wall and like gives himself a bit of lockjaw for a minute, making an incredible catch that takes a run off the board. Then he's leading off the the next inning and rips a double off the wall. 
ends up scoring. Goes three for three or three for four, five. I don't know. You got three hits in the baseball game. <laughs> Smashing them, right? And then did it again. And then goes and throws a guy out at home plate. And then again today, does the same thing. Hits a monster home run that puts the team on top. Again, they didn't win, but a late home run uh, on a ball below the strike zone that swung the team, the, the lead in his team's favor. So they were down one, runner on base. He hits a two-run jack to put his team on top. And then the very next play of the top half of the next inning, guy rips one off the high scoreboard and right, and he just picks it up and throws the guy out at second. Like that is being an action player to an nth degree. His He's everywhere right now. He's a part of everything. I asked before he did all that on Twitter, I asked people who's the most fun player on the Rockies right now. Jones, Doyle, Tovar, or Justin Lawrence, by the way, who I think is an underrated answer. And there's a rough time to ask because he did blow the save on Saturday night. But Nolan Jones has superstar potential in just about every single way, including the way he conducts himself off the field, the way he hypes up his teammates, the way he talks to the media, uh, the the way he carries himself on the field. Right now, other than a high strikeout rate, there is no part of Nolan Jones's game not to be excited about. He's got elite power and arm strength. I mean, maybe some of the best raw power and best arm strength. Not even maybe. He has some of the best raw power and arm strength of anybody in Major League Baseball. He's also got near elite speed. He's not as fast as Brenton Doyle, but according to StatCast, he's up there. And you saw it on display on that catch and on some plays. Him him trying to stretch to go for the triple, which was, even though he was out, great action player play. You'll take that aggression out of a player like that every single time. Because it was a weird play. Normally you don't like making the first out at third base, but it was a weird play. This is what you get hyped about. These are the kinds of performances, even, and like I said, especially when they lose, because you just go, they didn't lose because of those guys. I'm not going to break down the Justin Lawrence thing right now. In fact, maybe I'll do a whole, uh, Justin Lawrence actually deserves his entire own podcast because I've seen some interesting conversation about him out there lately. And quite frankly, I don't believe that it is reasonable to ask Justin Lawrence to have had any better of a season than he's having right now. But I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that, right? The the blown save, quite frankly, is going to sound ridiculous because he gave up five runs. He didn't pitch bad. Wasn't even his fault, and I don't care. I would, the, it's, again, one of those things you hope he learns a couple of little nuances. He also had dude man struck out and then broke his bat in half. There's nothing you can do about that. And when Cattell Marte is involved, you always know he's going to get the big hit that kills the Rockies. But you're not, I, I'm not anyway, in the least bit concerned about Justin Lawrence after that blown save. So they lose the ball game. They improve their draft pick pedigree or, uh, sorry, position. But that's not the story of the ball game. I've covered in my life hundreds of baseball games now and watched into the thousands, probably. God, I'd have to do the math, but yeah, certainly, certainly, over the years. And after a while, a lot of them sort of blend together, right? It's hard to, to pick them out. I will remember 
that Saturday night ball game, especially if some version of this core does go on to be successful in 24 or 25, if a version of the Rockies that has Doyle, Jones, Montero, Tovar, Tolia, at least three or four of those guys is, is performing well a couple of years from now. I'll probably remember it mostly for the throw and for Bud Black comparing him to Bo Jackson. Remember, Bud Black p- played with Bo Jackson. Like, that's not, <laughs> like, like he knows Bo, as it were. <laughs> he knows Bo. But it felt to me like the first domino of a changing of the guard, of the new era, of the next one. Let me put it this way. I think that that's how they feel. Going into that clubhouse after that ball game and seeing the way that Jones, Tolia, and Doyle, and McMahon, and Rogers were all interacting with each other, it felt like this is the beginning of something. This is the start of something special. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to, certainly not going to happen this year. It's probably not going to happen next year, though I'm very curious to see how they approach the offseason because I do think that despite the fact that if you look at the numbers right now, position player-wise, they've got one of the worst groups they've ever had. I, I believe in that group. I think that there is something special there. And yeah, they're going to go through their young player issues. I'm going to stop using the phrase growing pains. You were ready to take a drink for (laughs) for another one of those. But again, and and hit me up on Twitter and the Discord if you felt differently or the same. I'm I'm very curious because it just, again, watching them take the runs off of the board and put the runs on the board. You're going to go through slumps. I can recall 20-game stretches where Nolan Arenado couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Right? And we'd all go, this is really weird. And then he'd burst out of it because he's one of the greatest baseball players who ever lived. But that happens, right? Carlos Gonzalez famously streaking. Ryan McMahon, who I've often compared to Carlos Gonzalez, who hasn't had those high highs, but we saw some more hot Ryan McMahon this afternoon. Uh, that's everybody on offense. It happens to everybody. But when you can take runs off the board at the rate that Brenton Doyle and Nolan Jones are doing right now, man, it's just, I was going to say it's a luxury. I, I, I would argue it's a necessity that the Rockies have never had. Not really, not to this degree. Now you just got to get the starting pitching to go with it tighten up that bullpen a little bit, but there's the makings of something here. There's the start of something real because these guys have belief in themselves. They've got a little bit of swagger. They're having fun when they make big plays. They're, they're testing each other and teasing each other and provoking each other to get better every single day. Like Jones was giving Monty a hard time for the the diving catch that he made, but but a good what a, I mean not even a hard time like a let's go, like we are all in this and yeah they lost the ball game you would have thought you know after a big blow like, even Justin Lawrence again wasn't totally broken up about it because sometimes the other team makes a good swing on the ball and you know four pitches thrown in a decent location you lose okay it happens you shower off you tip your cap you go get it the next day. But there's something happening 
down there. And I wasn't 100% sure where it would come from. And I'll tell you this, I certainly didn't believe it was going to be led by Nolan Jones, but it is. Even if his bat doesn't, like he is the leader of this group right now. He's the guy with that right energy, with that right, and then the ball is just finding him. And he's making all the plays. He's playing with swagger, with confidence, with capability, and with a true scary athleticism where I saw a, a tweet from my, my friend uh, Ben on Twitter. Does a lot of good uh, gambling stuff out there on Twitter, if you guys know Ben. And he said, and he's 100% right, if Nolan Jones was doing this right now for the New York Yankees, he'd be a massive story in Major League Baseball. This is on its face as fun as a baseball player can get, the guy's got elite speed, elite power, and an elite throwing arm. And right now he's actually connecting with the baseball. So it's, yeah, guy could be a star. So, all right, I'm going to wrap it up there and talk to you about Justin Lawrence in the next couple of days. I appreciate you all for listening into this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.